Amy's right. We talked about doing a, a series, uh, like several messages on prayer. And um, um, we are the East Bay Prayer Furnace. So it's kind of in our name. We spend multiple hours um, every six days a week praying. Um, and, and yet, you know, I think it's easy to um, kind of get uh, some maybe funky ideas about prayer or some maybe some things that uh, might block you or might adjust your thinking. And so I thought it might be good to go, go through this. Um, this ministry, this house of prayer, we are loosely organized around the Kansas City House of Prayer, the uh, House of Prayer, uh, International House of Prayer, IHOP, in Kansas City. And, um, and so we use a lot of their vocabulary. We say things like friend of the bridegroom or you know, a bridegroom love, or um, uh, what are some of the other like unique language that they use? You know, fire, hmm? forerunner spirit, worship with the word is a, a thing that was invented there. Um, we adopt a lot of their culture, and so uh, I've adopted a lot of notes from Mike Bickle in this series. Bickle did, he is the leader of uh, International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Mike Bickle is. He did two 10-week sessions about nine years ago on, on prayer um, and put out a bunch of notes, et cetera. I've listened to a, many of them. I'm not completely through them yet, but, um, but I, will, I just want to let you know I'm, I'm like unashamedly plagiarizing and copying some, a lot of that stuff right there uh, in, into these notes. So what you'll see there in those notes is, is a lot of influence from Kansas City and a lot of influence from other people that um, I follow a lot, uh, Tim Keller being one. I don't know if you've all have heard of Tim Keller. He's a Presbyterian minister um, out in uh, New York. And he is um, not as profound as C.S. Lewis, but he's, he's close. Uh, and he's just a fantastic minister of the, of the gospel, a very good apologist. Um, meaning a you know, very good defender of the gospel and a defender of, of why it makes sense to worship an unseen God. Um, so a lot of Tim Keller, I tend to use a lot of Jim, uh, uh, George Mueller, um, a lot of Tory, a lot of um, uh, E.M. Bounds. Um, so uh, that's what we're doing. Um, and so um, if, if you sometimes feel like ineffective in prayer or, or like, prayer just doesn't work for you. Um, I feel like sometimes there's a brass ceiling, you know, maybe your prayers just kind of bounce right off the ceiling and come back. You know, sometimes you feel like, I just don't have the words, I just don't know what to say. I wish I could pray like so-and-so, they're so eloquent, their, purpose, their prayers are so wonderful. Um, some people have a very almost poetic way of engaging with the Lord. Others are, the only thing I can say is, is help. <laughs> that's their, that's the, the sum total of their, their prayers. Um, we sometimes just don't feel like we, we really understand what it means to pray. Um, and so we want to talk about that today. And this is just really just an introduction. But um, uh, what I want to do is, is understand who we are to him, who we are to God, uh, because that changes everything. That, that's that that and and uh, that that affects how your who you come to how you approach the Lord, and I want to put a plug in for the two hours before seven o'clock because this is 
This is kind of prayer room hours, right? We open at five for devotional set, six for Carla's devotional set. I talk for a little bit and then we go right into a, a worship with the word perhaps or an intercession set with, with, uh, with our team here. Um, but Carla's set today uh, was all about Abba Father. It was all about the approachability of the Father. We're gonna talk a lot about that today. It is, it's the third time now that I've sat in the midst of Carla's devotion where I get the sense after things settle down and after I, I clue into the Lord that anything is possible. Anything can happen in this environment right now where there are angels around and worship taking place and a pure um, offering going right up to the Lord, anything can happen right now. And so I, I encourage you to go to that and spend some time doing that. So appreciate what you do, Carla. Um, so what is prayer? Uh, simple definition is um, prayer is talking to God. Pretty easy. Uh, it's, it's just conversation with God. It's essentially a two-way conversation with, with the unseen God. And some of those are simple. They're just staying in touch, you know, just, uh, you know, kind of talking to him. He's talking to you. Some of them are life-changing. Some of you have had prayers where you have made a significant change in your life because of the communication that you've gotten from the Lord, and I, I've done that very thing. We talk to the uncreated God of the universe, and he listens with great affection, and he responds by, he, he reveals his heart, he gives us direction, I've, got, I've received, you have received direction in the midst of prayer, he blesses the circumstance, he adjusts, he transforms our emotions, he touches our loved ones, he, he works remotely, um, to others that we have prayed for. You all have certainly seen that in, the, in, uh, in place. He revives the church, uh, saves the lost, he, he engages in justice, and we're about that right now. Um, it involves connecting with the Spirit and getting energized uh, by the Spirit to love God. And, and our love for God, our vertical conversation with God affects the horizontal relationships that we have. So the more vertical we get, the more we're in touch with that, the more we realize he loves this person so much, this one that just cut me off on the highway, and I need to love them in the same way. And so it's the vertical and it's the horizontal. And it is such a great privilege to have um, the ability to just talk to God and to affect the lives and to affect the world around us. Um, and it's worth whatever it takes to cultivate a strong uh, prayer life. And it's a delight. Um, our prayer life um, can go from like feeling like it's a duty, like I gotta get up and pray again, you know. Oh my gosh, I gotta, I gotta go there to to a discipline where you're like, well, it's seven o'clock. This is where I am. This is where I go. To suddenly becoming, I can't wait to get into the house of prayer. It is a delight to be there. It is a joy to be there. Um, so it's prayer. Uh, in fact, um, Isaiah prophesied that the Lord would make His servants joyful in prayer. He said that in Isaiah 56. He said, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Isaiah 56. He said, you will be, you will be ecstatic. You will be happy in the house of prayer because you will have this relationship with me. Um, it's, uh, it is, I was going to talk a little bit about um, this book um, that Jim Stillwell wrote. Now, Jim started this house of prayer, moved to Sacramento, but these are available. We have copies here. They're $10. And so uh, it, it is the, the topic of, of uh, Jim's book, Cultivating Enjoyable Prayer. It, it's 
basically saying you can you can enjoy this encounter with the Lord. Um, it takes um, uh, contention. You have to contend. You have to actually put energy into it and establish it because your prayer life doesn't grow on its own. It doesn't get dropped on you and there are a thousand things that are going to pull you away from time where you just engage with the Lord. That's just that's just reality on planet Earth in the, in the 21st century. Um, but the Holy Spirit will help all of those who want to pray effectively. He will give you nudges. He will help you to kind of put that thing away or to do it at another time or he'll rebuke. I've seen this happen. He will rebuke the devourer, meaning the things that, that all of a sudden seem like this is falling apart and this won't go right and this is not coming together like I expect. All of a sudden you start to see those things kind of come together. The, re the devourer has been rebuked and you now have time freed up that you didn't have before. Um, all believers are called to grow in prayer. Um, whether you're a brand new believer, whether you've been 40 years in, in Jesus, um, and Jesus made this, this amazing statement in, uh, in John 15 where he said, uh, John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I him, in him bears much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. He said this absolute, you have to abide in me and that abiding takes place in the place of prayer. In other words, if we can't, if we can't grow in prayer, we won't find our destiny, period. It is, and therefore, and this is a bold statement, but therefore, being a person of prayer becomes the most important calling in a person's life. That's true. I'll say that again. Being, it's more important than being a parent, more important than being a, a husband or a wife. It's more important than being a, a missionary or a pastor or a teacher. Being a person of prayer is the most important calling in a person's life. Everything else stems from that. Said a different way, I mean, just to argue the point, if you decide to be an excellent missionary, you want to do so independent of God, or if you decide you want to be an excellent spouse or an excellent parent and you want to do so in, independent of God, how well do you think that's going to work out for you? That, that's why this is, this, is a, this is an accurate statement. It's the most important calling in somebody's life. Um, not everybody is called to be a parent or a pastor, etc., but everybody is called to prayer. Um, and so uh, we are not intended to live the life that we live. We said yes to Jesus, and from now on, we're not intended to live that life apart from Jesus. He, Jesus calls people that do such things dead branches. Um, and so, um, in fact, living a life in Jesus' name, independent, so in other words, you, you name the name of Jesus, you're walking around as a Christian, and you are independent of communion and independent of conversation with him. In other words, those, those things aren't happening in your life. That's what's referred to as stumbling over the stumbling stone. Jesus talks about, I mean, uh, Paul talks about this in the book of Romans. He goes, you know, the Gentiles, this is in Romans um, 9, uh, 31, 32, 33. The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith. But the people of Israel who pursued the law as the way of righteousness have not attained it. Why not? Verse 32, because they pursued it not, as, not by faith, but as if it were by works. They pursued this righteousness as if they could attain it by works. And then Paul lays this out. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. 
And so it was, a, it was the stumbling stone for the Jews. It is the stumbling stone for all of us. It, you'll find it to be a stumbling stone for you when you decide to go and try and do this thing on behalf of the Lord and go and make this happen, and you're not in communication with him. You have in your mind, I'm going to make this thing. It's going to be perfect. When it's done, I'm going to offer it up to the Lord, and then it will be acceptable. And the Lord says, you are stumbling over the stumbling stone at that very minute. It's thinking we can do stuff for him, but without him. That, that's, that's what's stumbling. That's, that's a cartoon version of stumbling over the stumbling stone. So as you take time to grow in prayer, you can expect the Spirit to move uh, in your life. Um, but it might not happen overnight. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take time, but you can count on it happening. You will have a changed life as you focus on prayer. And it will become, eventually, delight in prayer. It will eventually become something that you become addicted to. I, I, I will testify to that. Where you can't avoid uh, being in touch with the Lord and being in touch with who He is. You don't have to have this special experience uh, to grow in prayer. Um, you grow simply by doing it, by, by engaging in conversation skills with the Lord. Um, Prayer is a place of encounter. So a lot of this is from Tim Keller, but I, I think it's really helpful. It's helpful for me. It's, it's changed the way I think about prayer. Um, put it this way. All religions, they all pray. All religions pray. Uh, they, they don't necessarily pray to Jesus. They don't necessarily pray the same way we do. So the surveys, when you survey people um, uh, and ask if they are religious, an astounding number uh, pray. And a buddy of mine actually was working with Muslims um, in the southeast part of the country, and he was talking to one of his Muslim friends, and, and he said, you know, we call God our Father. And the Muslims go, oh, well, we don't do that. He, he is far too great for that. We don't engage in that. But that is the very thing that Jesus told us to do, is to, is to call him Father. When Jesus instructs in Matthew 6, verses uh, 7 through 15, he distinguishes the prayers of pagans, your Bible might say Gentiles, uh, and those of Christians. In Matthew 6, 7 through 14, he says, when you pray, don't keep battling like pagans. This is in the NIV. Don't, don't keep battling on like pagans, for they think that they're gonna be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, and as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And we'll talk about those components of, of that prayer, but what I, wanna, wanna, what I want to point out here is that Jesus says there is this pagan way of praying. There's a pagan way. It's not that pagan, sometimes you think of pagan, sometimes I think of pagan as that word pagan as being sort of like um, a barbarian, you know, somebody who is, is doesn't have any religion at all, is just outside of everything and is very coarse, etc. This is, this is uh, a pagan who is praying, thinking they're going to be heard because of their many words. Um, and so Jesus is saying there's a pagan way of praying, and there's a Christian way of praying. There, there's the pagan way, and there's my way. Um, Jesus wants to show the difference between that way and the other way. 
And what he's trying to describe is, uh, I think, best understood by, by describing sort of a business relationship uh, versus a family relationship. So in a business relationship, when you uh, engage with somebody in the business, you make a deal, you exchange goods and services, they give you money, you give them a product, they give you a service, you pay them money, etc. It's a business relationship, um, uh, and sometimes pagan, uh, um, uh, oh, sorry, so yeah, uh, you, you, that the basis for that relationship is performance. You perform for me, I give you money, I perform for you, you give me, uh, you give me what I'm, I'm looking for. It's a lot like um, the prodigal son, uh, when he left, he came back and he was broken, he was humbled, he uh, was uh, soft and tender-hearted towards his father. The older brother, who never left but was working hard for the father, had a much more of a business relationship with the father. He, that's why he was so offended when the father threw this party for the, for the, for the broken son. The father's ex ex uh, exhibiting grace towards the younger brother, the one who went off, spent all the money on, on a lifestyle and came back broken. And the, the older brother had a, had a much more of a business relationship. Kind of a border, uh, border meaning somebody living in an apartment, et cetera, with a landlord. Uh, they, they have a, you have a, somebody living in your house. They're kind of a border. They are, you're the landlord. It's very different from uh, if that person is a member of your family. Um, if the owner's a landlord, you're gonna have rules. The landlord's gonna have rules. The landlord does his stuff. The tenant has to do their stuff. The interchange is his goods and services. And it's a conditional relationship. Um, but in family, the relationship is unconditional. You live in the house as a child. He says, and so the, the difference is in that business relationship, they say, um, uh, because you perform, I accept you. Whereas in a family relationship, the difference is, since you're accepted, you'll be performing. Uh, it's, it's this whole idea, this is a Bickle line, but it's this whole idea that, you know, um, Mike Bickle said, I would rather have those that love God a thousand times over than those who simply want to work hard for God. Lovers make way better workers than, than workers do because they, they have a different motivation. Their motive, they're working on behalf of an unseen God that they love dearly and they will outwork the workers every, every day of the week. So Jesus said, you can either approach God on a business basis, thinking that God is going to hear you because of your many words, or you can approach it from a family basis. And so how do you tell? Well, how do you tell what the basis is that you're approaching God on? If you're babbling empty words and your words are many, meaning that, that, that you are trying to get as many words in there as possible, and they're a little frantic. In fact, that word many there that, that uh, Matthew uses, is, is, uh, there's, a, there's an implication that these are anxious words. They are desperate words. Um, the, the, that's, that's the difference. And the test is, what happens when your prayers aren't answered? What happens at that point? If you say, well, I, I've been paying my rent, I've been fulfilling the services of, of, as a tenant, and, my, and the landlord did not respond. Our, our relationship is over. Or, or on the other hand, I, I know why my prayer didn't get answered, because I haven't been paying my rent. You know, I haven't been tithing, I haven't been doing this or that, and so therefore, no wonder my prayers aren't being answered. 
That's a border tenant relationship. That's a business relationship. Um, a border can go to God with a list of petitions, uh, but you're going to have a tough time getting that, that, that guy in the business relationship sitting down for 30 minutes and just loving on the Lord, just 30 minutes of just praising the Lord, just being with him. Um, Christians believe their status is like a totally free gift. It is something that was deposited on me. I was picked out. I was, I was selected. God said, I want that one. And I had very little to do with it. Uh, but boarders think that they get what they got because they are, they're doing their duty. Um, and so Christians are amazed when their prayers are answered. It's like, I can't behold how great is the love of God. Uh, the border will say, no, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I paid my tithe. No wonder my prayers got answered. I, I did my duty. I actually went to Bible study four times a week. I was at church on Sunday, on time. It's the difference um, between uh, what happens when your prayer doesn't get answered and when it does. And so when a Christian, as a child of God, his prayer doesn't get answered, this is a, this is a Tim Keller line, but he said, uh, the child in that case, he trusts. He says, you know, basically, um, God will, will give you what you want uh, and what you would have asked for if you knew everything that he knew. Uh, you asked for the wrong thing, or not the wrong thing, but a thing that was not good for you to have at that point. And if you knew what God knew at that point, you would also ask for exactly what he did give you. There was a house on uh, Tesla Road, belongs to the to John Madden's son. It got moved into um, Concan and Vin, uh, Vineyard. You can see it. They've restored it, et cetera. But back in the day, 20 years ago, I used to pass that house every day. And I prayed earnestly for that house. I want that house. I, was, I could picture my kids playing around in the yard. It was perfect. It was a 1920, I think, something like that. A cute little house. You can still see it in the Concan Vineyard. And, and it was an earnest prayer. I mean, I, I, I prayed hard on my knees, eyes closed, etc. And I never got that house. And when I look back, I'm thinking, I'm so glad I never got that house. It would have been, it would have been miserable. That thing was, you know, it, it was, at the time, I mean, when I think I, at the time I had three kids, it was way too small for five kids and, and not enough and we, I would have had no neighbors, you know, no friends, et cetera. I'd be isolated in this little vineyard with traffic going by all the time. I was pretty romantically involved in that house at the time, but it was such a good idea that I didn't get it. Um, so that's, that's a difference. Coming to him as father, setting your heart uh, in line and saying, I am coming as a family. I am welcomed as a, as a family member, and, and God wants to engage with me right now. No matter what I've done, no matter what I've come to, I, you know, you cleanse yourself, you repent, etc. But it's, it's that family prayer. It's the only way that you can come and adore God, where you say how great is the, is the love of the Father. Um, that's what Peter was, was marveling at. Peter the Apostle, he, he had this verse in 1 Peter 8. He goes, and basically he's, it's as though God is saying, wow, you are adoring me. And Peter, who, who saw the Lord, who hung out with the Lord, he said, though you have not seen him, though you haven't seen, you have not seen Jesus, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and you are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. How amazing is that? That's the attitude we come to with, with, with the Father. It's not for super Christians. 
It's for all of us, as weak as we are, crippled as we are. So you start with the fact that we are adopted. We are brought into God's family. We are, we are I mean, that, that is the description. That's our Romans description. We are adopted children brought into God's family. And most of us are Gentiles. We are, we are Gentile branches grafted on to the Israel tree. Um, and we saturate ourselves with that. We, we have all the rights and privileges of God's blood-born son. That, that's who we are. And it changes the throne of the universe to the, through the throne of grace. That, that's where we're at. Um, so, um, I'm just going to skip a little bit of this. But, um, the uh, prayer, the way we do it here and the way that uh, it should be done is, is its partnership with God. Um, God governs the earth in prayerful partnership with his people who reign with him. Uh, in fact, that's what Re Re Revelation 5.10 says. All of you have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. So he, it's not like the Lord needs our efforts. He doesn't need our labor or our uh, energies put towards his kingdom. Uh, he wants much more from his people than just a, a workforce. Um, he, he longs to be in relationship with those who are loving him. And from that place, then you partner with him and you accomplish what he wants. Um, and, and I feel there's so much of the time in here, th this partnership. That's why I love our little map there. We are 50 mile radius surrounding this house of prayer that encompasses San Francisco, Silicon Valley down to the south, Modesto, a huge uh, part of the American uh, farmers area uh, to, the west, to the east. Um, we have the ports up to the north. We, we, we have been placed here, this tiny little prayer room has been placed here to pray over this region, and it's only 50 miles. It, it's, not, it's not the world. When you look at that map and you blow it up on that map, it's a tiny little speck of that entire map. But it is one of the most influential regions in the world, and we are, we are placed here to partner with him and, and pray over ministries, over the tens of thousands of pastors and leaders and evangelists that are in that region. That are, that are reaching out, many of whom are ready to just quit and walk away from the ministry because of, of the spirit of the age that's especially strong in San Francisco and in the surrounding region. We, we partner with God in, in that particular area. Um, and, and so we look at Jesus, he's not just this king with power, he's this bridegroom that desires relationship with us um, and we partner together in the work of the kingdom with him. Um, and so the Lord leads his kingdom by giving more in response to prayer. That, that's how the Lord leads. Uh, and I, I, that's, that's how he does it now. That's how he's going to do it when he's king, sitting on a throne on the earth. He desires this deep relationship with us. And again, that's what Isaiah 30 says. That the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits to have compassion on you. He will be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. That, that, that's that's prayer, and when he hears it, he will answer you. Uh, that is, he longs to release more and more grace and blessing to his people. And receiving this more is not about convincing him to give us more. It's about God convincing his people to pray with more confidence. So one foundational principle of the kingdom of God um, is that he releases more blessing as we ask for it. Um, he, he can release more without us asking for it, but he wants us involved in the process. That, that's, that, that's that verse in James. 
You don't have because you don't ask. You need to ask, you need to verbalize it, you need to actually articulate it, we need to have a conversation together. And when you ask, I will bring it forward. Um, the Lord knows our needs without our asking, but he wants, but he waits to give us things until we ask for them. So many people will talk back and forth together about their circumstances with others without actually asking God about them. It's kind of easier to think about our needs without verbalizing them, and, and God insists on us asking because the asking creates this heart connect. He wants the heart connect. So God, that's the way that God runs his kingdom. Um, so he, uh, and he calls us to pray with perseverance. We'll get into that in the Lord's Prayer uh, at a later time, but, but he calls us to ask and to keep asking, to knock and keep knocking. He says to keep on knocking. That verb is a continuous present tense, meaning that we are to do this consistently. Um, and it when ask and knock and it will be open to you. Ask and you will, uh, and it will be given. Seek and you will find. So, um, since prayer is conversation, we can get some insights into the nature of prayer um, just by looking at the way that the God-Man talked to people. We'll do that in the, in the coming days as well, looking at how Jesus actually talked. I mean, I mean, when he was on the earth, how he conversed with people, what questions he asked, because that's that's prayer in reality. The God-Man is talking to a person. Well, that's prayer. I mean, we are a person talking to the God man. <laughs> you know, it's just that he's not seen in the case, but, but we can get some really good insights into watching the types of questions he asked and the types of frame, the way that he framed things. Um, one, of the time, one time uh, I was in Brownsville, the revival, I think I've told the, the uh, youth this question, this story before, but I was uh, in Brownsville and the, the fact that uh, I worshiped the Lord that could talk to me and wanted to talk to me in particular was, was mind-blowing. It was a new thought to me and I was kind of embracing that in this revival atmosphere in Brownsville, Florida near Pensacola. Amy and I had gone down there during the early days. It, she, we've told, told many stories about that again, but, it, but a quick synopsis. People would get in line at seven o'clock in the morning to uh, stand in line to get ready so you could get access and get a seat for the seven o'clock p.m. service. And so did we. We were there at seven o'clock in line. We were in a huge line waiting to get in the church when they opened the doors at two o'clock in the afternoon or whatever it was in the hot Florida sun. It was a massive, massive revival. I'd never seen anything like it up to that point. We're in the revival. They do the worship. There's a message. There's a ministry time afterwards. And everybody is pretty much responding to the Lord in their own way. Some people are falling out under the Spirit. Some people are speaking in tongues. I uh, knelt down, put my head against the chair like I do sometimes, and I asked the Lord some questions. Lord, do you, what do you have for me? What, what are you saying to me? And I got up and I walked out. And I heard very clearly, one of the more clear words I heard was, why do you ask me a question and then not wait for the answer? <laughs> Because I had basically formed my question, and, and I figured, certainly he's not going to answer it because never has, you know. <laughs> Gotten up and walked out, and, and that was the other I got right back on my knees and, and um, started journaling what, what I sensed was his answer. Uh, that, that's the kind of relationship I think he wanted. I think his more than rebuking me for, for being, you know, quick on the, on the, the, on to the next thing kind of mode. I think he was saying, I just want to give you a hint that this is what I'm looking for. This kind of heart connect, this kind of discussion is what I'm going for. Um, 
So, so a couple of practicalities, and then uh, we'll bring the youth up here. Um, our, our prayers don't have to be uh, perfectly worded to accomplish our purposes. Uh, they're effective because of God. Our prayers are effective because of what Jesus did, not because of, of the way that we've framed our perfect words or the way that we've actually crafted the, the words. But we've got to see the value in the weak prayers. And when I was, um, well, some, some assume that, for instance, when you pray and you don't feel anything, well, then God must not feel anything. But the truth is we offer our prayers in our human weakness, but they ascend in power. We, we offer them in, in broken weaknesses, half sentences, groans, you know, not, not even a fully formed, uh, not even a grammatically correct sentence. And they go up to the Lord, and the Lord, because of the sufficiency of Jesus, because of his sacrifice, they uh, move the heart of God. They are powerful because of that. Um, others think that they're only growing in prayer if they feel good during their prayer times. And they wrongly conclude, my prayers are meaningless because I am dry and I am distracted and I can't keep my mind on anything. And, and they're, they're wrong. Those prayers make a difference. Um, this idea about the 30 to 90 second prayers being valuable and effective, that was, my, that was the gift from, from the Lord for me this week. Thinking that for 30 seconds, if you can engage in the Lord for, for 30 seconds to 90 seconds, in other words, you don't have to set aside an hour of of focused time of the Lord. Those are wonderful times. You don't have to go to a silent retreat, although I, I honor what, what's happening. Those things are wonderful when they come. But a 30 to second to 90 second engagement, I mean, true engagement with the God of the universe counts. I mean, that, that counts. That's, that generates intimacy. That right there when you can actually, at a stoplight, maybe not a stoplight, don't close your eyes, maybe in the line and in and out, um, yeah. You close your eyes and you just engage the Lord for 30 seconds and, and just feel his heart or just tell him you love him. That, that counts. That's a prayer life right there. And those things, I don't want to uh, downplay those at all. They, they matter. Um, so don't put off praying until you have the full hour to pray. Um, but you know, waiting in a stoplight, standing in line at a store, those things make a difference in your life and the lives of others. And by the way, get on the group meet because there's prayer requests going on all the time on the group meet that allow you to have those 30% uh, those 30 second prayers. Um, we can uh, we can have the confidence that He hears us. That's that verse in First John 5:14. This is the confidence that we have in, in Him that when we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So perfectly, I mean, poorly worded prayers they are valuable. Uh, and they, they, the Lord values our prayers even when they're not said in the right way. Um, he hears the groans of the prisoner and he hears the eloquence of Bible scholars and powerful speakers as well. So um, this is the way God runs the universe. This is the, this is the, the pull back the curtain and find out this is how God actually commands the universe. Um, and it's brilliant. It, it, because God cares about the end, he cares about achieving the end, but he cares about the means as well, and the means involve day-to-day, minute-by-minute conversation. And it humbles us, it makes us realize we can't do anything, all we can do is ask, um, and, uh, uh, and it establishes us in intimacy, and in community, and humility while we're engaged in the partnership. Um, 
everybody should have a prayer closet or a time when they're engaging personally in prayer, but I, I want to commend to you, even, even doing that in the prayer room, um, I, I find it to be a place of, of great intimacy when I can connect with the Lord. The problem is the, the sound is a little loud. So just practical tip, I've got these awesome silicon earplugs um, that you can get at CVS. And when you put those things in, you don't hear anything. And you can just, I, I can hear my own groans, I can hear my own whispers to the Lord. It's fantastic. So anyway, that, that's, um, that's a possible uh, way of having an intimate time with the Lord right here in the midst of everybody. I'm going to bring uh, our team up, although Dan might have flew the coop. But uh, let me just let me just pray, and then we'll just uh, sing around this a little bit uh, as we do. Oh God, so here we are. I'm going to take just a few seconds to just be quiet before you and engage with you. <clears throat> 